0: This is Fractal Marketing, the podcast for innovative entrepreneurs taking their product to market. Each show, we take an outside look at one company's marketing and discuss the good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, over to your host, Jared Doyle.
1: Welcome to the episode. And this week, we're joined by Jason Wright. Jason is an author, entrepreneur, consultant, digital marketer, architect with a passion for helping startups. Actually, Jason, you sound a lot like me. Jason, welcome to the episode. Oh, thanks. I appreciate uh, you giving me the chance to be here. Great. So Jason has picked the brand or the company Smart Passive Income, which I hadn't heard of until he emailed it through to me. So it's going to be exciting because this is, you know, like we can pick a big brand and it's like, I know all about it and then I can jump straight into a new brand. So what I'm going to do is I'll share in the show notes. So if you flick up on your podcast app, I'll put a link in there. So if you've never heard of it like me, you can jump in, have a quick look around, play along while we chat. But I'm going to hand straight over to Jason. Jason, Smart Passive Income. Who is it? What is it? What do they do? And are they famous or are they new? Yeah. So Smart Passive Income is uh, Pat Flynn's company. Definitely
0: not new. I would say they're famous uh, kind of in the digital marketing space. Pat does a lot of stuff. He does podcasting stuff, uh, stuff about passive income, uh, anything that a a digital entrepreneur would want to learn. And he kind of caters to anybody from brand new entrepreneurs to more seasoned and even people really trying to get to that, that big next level. So, you know, does a lot of things well, in my opinion, but it's, uh, it's interesting. This new iteration of the site is one I've never seen. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to dig into and see what's going on.
1: Yeah. Fantastic. So the first thing that jumped out at me when I had a look at it is you know, Pat's facing that classic dilemma between personal brand and company brand. So he's built up, so Pat Flynn, I had a quick look. I think he gets eight to 10,000 searches on his name a month. So, yep. he's obviously doing something right. And then he's building a company around that. And it's something that I can relate to. And it's kind of like, you know, are people hiring? Do they want Pat or do they want the company behind it? How much did he, you know, I I haven't encountered him before, but his website says he's, he's been going since 2008. I'm guessing it started with his brand, his personal brand, and then he's built the company around that personal brand after that. Is that the best way to describe it? Yeah. And if I remember right, I think he got his start as a FinTech or financial tech
0: blogger and he had built up an audience with blogging. And I think maybe he sold an ebook and then he started seeing the possibilities online. I think he was actually an architect once upon a time and lost his job. So he had to, he had nothing else lined up, nothing else around. So he had to try to take what he had kind of started on the side and make something work with it. And it looks like, from what I've seen and what I remember, it looks like he got traction with it pretty quickly and he's just kept that momentum going for years and years and years now.
1: So, yeah. So he, he's followed that, you know, formula that, we often want to do, which is he built an audience first, oh yeah, and then he built a business in behind that audience, and so that business is based around courses and education. So he's he's monetized his experience, his knowledge, his content, and look, looking at it, it, looks like he's gone down. Yeah, you know, so it's courses, it's books, guides, and I think he uses Teachable. It looks, I yep, think, he's a oh, big yeah. Teachable guy. Yep, yeah, uh, i you know, I think I've spoken to a couple of people, actually one particular person this week who was going through a similar kind of process and unbeknownst to me, I'd be looking at this and and I think it's that idea of if you build a course, they'll come kind of, it you know, doesn't really work. Doesn't work. So, you know, he's obviously spent a lot of time building up his audience. Do you know, like he, so 2008, he started as a blogger. Obviously that window's gone now. Yeah. Um, he's obviously spinning his audience across other platforms. I was intrigued to note when I had to look at all the different social handles on the website, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat, but no LinkedIn. And he's, and he's obviously business-orientated. What what do you make of that? I don't know. The only thing I can think of is something that I see as well. LinkedIn, in
0: his mind, I've never heard him talk about it, but it might be corporate. And his audience is entrepreneur, so maybe he knows his people aren't there. But his, his whole thing with uh, social media has always been be everywhere. And he says that a lot of people get overwhelmed, kind of like trying to keep up with that because it, it is overwhelming, right? Trying to do a really good job on all social platforms—you can't do that by yourself, you know. He's, you know, got a team and everything, but it's even overwhelming because every platform is so different, you know.
1: Yeah. I Look, we discussed just briefly before we started recording, the effort of doing a podcast is one thing. And then you're like, oh, I've got to be on LinkedIn. And then I've got my blog. And then, you know, so it becomes... And I'm seeing this a lot. I've spoken to a few people and it does seem like at a certain point, people got kind of to go all in and they put that team behind them. And, you know, whether it be a, a you know, Tim Ferriss or a Gary Vee and, you know, they do. They've got a team behind them. What do you think? Do you think people wait until they just, they literally can't deal with the volume that they need to do? Or do you think some of these... People, the successful profile people in business world just double down and get the team behind them first and then go in. Like, what can you know, chicken and egg, right? Do, they, do yeah. they build it and then put the team behind, or they just go all in, hire a team, and then just smash it?
0: I think it's different for everybody. For him, he was a bootstrap guy. So he was working the 18 hour days for years, doing everything by himself. Then eventually he'd get to a point and be like, I've got to help him. You know, I've got to have help here because I've got a wife and kids and other stuff I need to do. And one thing I didn't mention earlier, uh, he was really early on the podcast scene, right? So his podcast, if you kind of scroll down that main page, 60 million plus downloads. That alone, it's nuts. And he's able to drive so much traffic into all of his affiliate offers. So somewhere on here, he's got a, he used to anyway, he has a um, an area where he shows very openly where all of his income comes, income reports uh, every month. And the last time I checked, and it's been a while, it's probably been a year, but he's doing something like, 200 250 grand a month in revenue so affiliate commissions well it's a mix of things so there may be 15 or 20 affiliate things there's courses there's books there's coaching there's all kinds of stuff but uh, when he really started making good money just full-time for himself a lot of it was uh, info products and affiliate stuff yep
1: Interesting. What do you make of that sort of open and transparency? Like a lot of people get online, a lot of, you know, coaches, consultants, they talk up a big game, but you know, it can be a lot of smoke and mirrors. Yep. It strikes me that if you're going to be open and transparent about that, actually, you know, it builds a lot of trust, right? Is that, do you reckon that's the strategy he's got there?
0: Yeah. And I just think when, you know, like you say, there's so many people that all they talk about is money online or success. And you're really don't see any proof or you don't really know the backstory that makes people almost uh, feel unapproachable. So I think when you go authentic and you go real with people, it just humanizes you and people can get behind that, right? Even if somebody has no business and they want to start one, well, here's a guy who's real like I am, so I can pay attention to him and, and trust him because he's showing me what he makes and where it comes from and a great deal of detail that most people wouldn't even show their best friends, you know?
1: Yeah. I think, um yeah, as somebody who does, You know, we've got podcasts, and we we do that, and it's you know sixty million. It's kind of like it's crazy. I, you know, we do. People often don't share those numbers. They talk about you know what they do, and they kind of a bit cagey about it. And I do wonder whether we're going to be in a world where people start to become more transparent just to build that trust. And I think it happens in all aspects. I think there's even startup companies these days that publicise incomes, salaries. Everyone in the workplace knows what everybody else is earning, which on the face value, sometimes you stop and you go, oh, it feels, you know, icky and I'm not sure if I really want to do that. But I'm starting to come around to this idea of transparency to sort of say, well, where's the problem with that kind of transparency and and being upfront about what you earn and what you do and how you, you know, your health and everything like that. And people sort of sharing these, their, their financial status, because I think, you know, the people that are going to hurt the most are probably the people who have probably have a benefit, you know, from who they are, right? So they're, they're probably getting paid more than they're worth. So they're the ones who are going to fight back against it. And I say that as a 42 year old white male. I mean, you know, I am almost the epitome of privilege, right? So if anything, I'm probably one of the people that, you know, needs to, everyone's going to go, Oh, wow, you know, that's, you've got that. That's your salary or whatever it happens to be. So I do wonder if it's going to become a leveler. As well as build that trust. I, I think you know, yeah, you know, people talk up a big game. We've got presidents that talk about their income and their wealth and and that becomes status and and you know, whether it's true or not, also becomes an element of trust. And I guess where am I where's this ramble going? I, I think for independent consultants, it becomes an interesting game here. We've got we've got to build trust around the person and then parry that into the brand. So he seems to have done that successfully. And I, you know, in I often sort of try to advise people, build your personal brand first and your company brand second. I would say, without knowing too much about what he's doing, I'd say he's probably split 50-50. You know, it's kind of like half of his brand is still himself, but he seems to have built this smart passive income brand. Do you think... I mean, do you, can you see a time when he might be able to actually remove the Pat from it completely and, it, you, know, you know, Smart Passive Income becomes its own brand? Is that why he's putting his staff up there a bit more front and center? Or do you think it's always going to have to be Pat and he probably can't remove himself?
0: It's interesting because I, I've never, as the first time I've ever seen other people from his company kind of front and center, was a few years ago you would always see pat 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 but he's built a big enough business i think he's in it because he wants to be i don't think he has to be now he could probably run uh you know all the podcasts he's got multiple podcasts too so all the hundreds if not thousands of episodes out there all the blogs all the stuff will drive traffic for forever to a lot of his offers so he could probably step away now if he wanted to but i think he's pretty passionate about what he's doing
1: so it's nice to have those kind of options you know yeah (laughs) One big gripe I've got about his branding is the use of SPI. I have this issue with brands, which, you know, if you start, so internally, smart passive income, there's no way in the company they talk about smart passive income. They get that mouthful out. So they obviously shorten it down to SPI. But I feel like when companies do that, it's a real brand split. You know, it's kind of, well, are you SPI or are you smart passive income? And I always think it's a really difficult decision to make. And and I feel like, you know, when he's already split between smart passive income and Pat Flynn, he's already got that dual split to then produce another version of it, like SPI. I, I feel like that's not quite, he hasn't kind of committed all the way in. And so that that use of that, I'm sure there's internal people and that becomes the lingo, but I do wonder... You know, really, should he have switched – no, should he be removing – or I think he should be removing smart passive income completely from what he's doing. If he's he's SBI, that's his brand. I don't know what your thoughts are on it. And, you know, I think about – there's lots of great brands that have done this, right? You know, British Petroleum becomes BP. Hewlett-Packard becomes HP. But they commit to it, you know, they kind of drop the rest of it. What's your feeling on that kind of abbreviation? No, I get what
0: you're saying. I mean, if this was the first time I was coming here, just like you, I'd be like, what's SPI? Like, it doesn't mean anything to me. So does he have enough, you know, household recognition to pull it off? The SPI, I don't know. You know, if you get in this world and you start to hear it, you'll figure out what it means. But just kind of looking at it, even looking through some of these different pages, you don't really know what it stands for until you start to dig around. So I don't know if the timing was right to
1: do that. I don't know if he did that too early or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too, with his website, it strikes me that it's not a website built. I mean, I was having a quick look at his his Google stats. and It was like phenomenal. It was kind of, what was 40,000, 50,000 visitors coming through sort of organic traffic a month. So 40,000. So obviously it's great from an acquisition point of view, but I, it doesn't strike me that his site has been built for acquisition. It, it feels to me like it's about conversion. In other words, if you've got 60 million Podcast downloads, you know, you've got that reach. So I do wonder with this, with the website, actually, is it about? Well, it's extracting sounds, uh, you know predatory but it's about extracting more (laughs) revenue from his from from his base and i I think probably it is i don't think this website anymore is designed to draw new people in i think people he's got i think this is about building up his personal brand and trust but at the same time just with a lazy forty (laughs) thousand google organic visitors a month what's your feeling like what, what do you think he really leverages this website for with this iteration, you're probably right. I mean, the guy, his, his
0: reach just is ever-expanding. He does a really good job getting on other big podcasts and things like that. Uh, what's interesting is I'm on his email list, and he does a lot of email marketing courses and things, but he doesn't really use email that much, at least not the list, whatever list I'm on, because sometimes I won't see anything come for a couple months. And something ironically popped through today which was a replay of a, uh, a workshop or something he's done. And his webinars and stuff are pretty good. I've attended a few, but it's interesting because as much as he talks about email, I don't feel like he sends out very many at all. So, But all these different content creation avenues, whether it's a social channel or the podcast or the videos or even the site, it's, like, it's just all focused on giving so much value. And I think it's, it's really heavily focused on building that repeat buyer as well.
1: Yeah, that's an interesting one. I mean, it, it's I guess the difficulty with all courses is the fact that, you know, people always feel special, right? So, you do a course and everyone's like, well, it's a course, but, you know, I need somebody else. So I need the help. I don't know, but does he offer consulting or is it very much, I mean, it says passive, right? So, my feeling is actually you can't engage Pat directly. It's, it's got to be through the online tools or, you know, can you still hire him for a… Yeah, That's a great question. I don't know that I've ever seen a spot that you can't hire
0: him. So like right now, I'm just looking, you know, courses, tools, workshops, you know, there's webinars and stuff, but I don't know that I've ever seen a link or even heard anything about him doing consulting. I'm sure everybody's got a price. You know, I'm mm-hmm. sure if somebody's like, I want to <laughs> spend a week with you, what's the dollar, man? I'm sure he's got a number, but I don't think he really pushes himself out there one-on-one really at all. I don't know that he needs to at this point, but I don't know that I've ever seen it either. So...
1: I'm kind of digging around on this site as we're talking about it as well. Yeah. So you were saying, too, with the podcast, he he kind of got in early to the podcasting, you know, 60 million downloads. Do you feel like that horse has bolted for, you know, when you think about the people and the shows he's been on? So he's been on Gary Vee, you know, Tim Ferriss. Like these guys have been in it for ages. Is it something where, you know, now you're not going to, you know, building up that audience, that's not going to happen through podcasts. You know, you need an audience first. So, okay, let's let's think about this. If he, if he had to start now, you know, so blogging, if you got into blogging early, okay, you could build an audience. So, someone like uh, Seth Godin built a blogging you know, audience, and then he was he monetized it through books, and now he's got podcasts. So he's done well. He started with podcasting, then you got people. Sorry, he started with blogging. Then you got people who've been in podcasting. There's all these people. You know, if you get into a trend and you nail that, if podcasting's gone, that's a little bit away from Pat. But what do you think now? Is is should we should consultants and entrepreneurs who are trying to build a personal brand should we just be like piling into TikTok instead of going that's the next one? We don't know quite how it's going to work, but double down on it or you know, what's your, what's your feeling on the next? Cause it wants something. Once it's once a channel saturated, it's very hard to, to organically get big on it.
0: Yeah. The, the one thing about podcasting and really with any of this stuff is uh, a lot of people give up really easily and very quickly. Most people are always searching for that secret to success, but it's like, here's an idea. Just keep going. Like instead of giving up in two weeks and saying you tried as hard as you could, why don't you try for like two years and see what happens. So even with podcasting, um, I, last I heard, like the average podcast makes makes it like five or six episodes where they just kind of lose interest or give up. So I think podcasts are still super relevant. TikTok is super relevant as well. I've got a, a buddy, entrepreneur, friend here locally that built an audience from zero to like 140,000 in like six months. And a guy's making tens of thousands a month from TikTok because he does online coaching and he gets 40, 40 applications a day right now. So I just talked to him yesterday. So TikTok is super relevant because the secret is video, right? Video allows people to watch and say, do I believe this person? Do I think they're full of crap or they, do they seem honest? And you can pick up on a lot of that through video. So I think anything with video is going to remain relevant the rest of our lives for sure for that reason.
1: That's interesting. So that's we've come into that a few times now. This sort of element of trust, and in video, just hides that we say on a podcast where I only put it out through audio. So there's no video. It's just us chatting. But it's interesting, yeah. So so personal the anonymity of online and and the fakeness but that trust is something that's there so i like that as a bit of advice you know that video becomes real you know you are who you are you know you can't hide away too much and i guess that's the thing about tiktok right what it did i think instagram became very polished and very clinical tiktok sort of came in and said actually Yeah, let's just keep it super, super raw, super real and and build that trust. That's really interesting. I I think that's great advice too. And I'll challenge you, add the
0: video element to your podcast. It's something I did and it's great because you can repurpose it obviously on YouTube and other places as well, but it does give the listeners and the watchers that ability to, like you said, um, say, yeah, I think this person doesn't know what they're talking about. So there's nothing but advantages um, from using video with the podcast as well.
1: Yeah, I don't. Know. I always, always think I don't look pretty enough to do video. But maybe I've got to put that aside and just, just accept.
0: You know, it's funny. Video it. creates a lot of fear in people. Man, they're like, "Oh God, I hate the way I look on camera." And I, I've seen more fear with being on video, especially live video with people. It's like speaking, I guess. People, a lot of people just freak out at even the thought of it. So, but uh, I would encourage you still go for it. What's the worst that can happen?
1: Yeah. What, it's just, I don't know, just from a technical point of view, what, what do you record your, what do you do your podcast and do you use Zoom? And yeah, then I'm a Zoom, Zoom guy. So
0: I've heard this year with COVID people that have any issues. I haven't seen any. So I used yep. to be a Skype guy with the podcast and then I kept having issues with it. And then uh, I switched to Zoom and I've been using Zoom uh, pretty heavily for not only podcasts but all my business meetings and
1: everything for years and I've never had any issues. So I'm pretty happy with it. Oh, great. Yep so just jumping back to pat one of the things i could kind have of clicked on and i think one of the most popular pages people do is like the about us page you know about the story people want to and, and i always you know i think this follows the theme of what we've ended up with around trust and, and realness around the people the consultant and the brand and so i did i scrolled straight down saw the missions vision and core values and it, you know really read that and I like the way Pat's put that on the website. I have some technical issues with some of his language. So, he wrote about his mission. He, he defined a mission as a company's North Star. And as someone who does growth marketing, I'm like, oh, I think mission and North Star are two different things. I like to think of a North Star as being like, you know, I think about North Star metrics. It's that one thing that really makes a difference. So, I was like, oh, I don't really agree with that, but that's fine. I read his mission and his mission is to elevate entrepreneurs to within reach of their dreams And it was really interesting. I read that copy and thought, that doesn't sound like a great mission to me. It's like, we're going to elevate you to, so you can, so you're close to your dreams, but not get you there. I thought that was an interesting play. Like my first version was, my first interpretation of that was, I'll get you close, but not all the way there. Now I can see, I can see what he's probably trying to do there, which is say, you've obviously got to do it yourself, but it actually felt a little bit weak for me. (laughs) But normally these courses and, and these kind of, uh, personas are very strong. It's like, yeah, join with me. You're definitely going to succeed. What's your take on that? I mean, you know his personal brand and the way he conducts himself. Is that true to him in the sense that he doesn't overplay? He's not a shouty, loud guy? Or or do you think maybe he's just a little bit conservative with his mission statement there? No,
0: he's not a shouty, loud guy at all. He's a very nice guy, very concerned about how people feel and how they perceive things. So, I'm not sure. It is interesting what you bring up. I don't think... I can't imagine his intention being, we're going to get you close, but not get you there. I think it's supposed to give people belief. So what's interesting is when you were talking, I actually noticed on this about page, he has a read more on Pat Flynn link or a button. So I'm actually looking at his personal page right now and I don't love it. It's a lot of a lot of stuff going on visually colors and stuff that are kind of throwing my eye off. So I guess the SPI is really that attempt at the company brand. And then he's got his own site with all this stuff, books, courses, speaking advisorship. Maybe that's where you can hire him
1: as well. Yeah. I hadn't spotted that, but yeah, so he's, so he's got Pat Flynn. So dot So he's got his own personal brand as well. So again, well, to your point, When you look at the logo, the Pat and the Flynn, I mean, it 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 looks pretty bad. (laughs) Like it's yeah, I'm not loving it. I've never
0: seen this. It's new, but yeah, it doesn't look very doesn't look really polished at all. But the people that know who this guy is, man, he gets he does a ton of speaking. But yeah, this is like I feel like it's a very very different feel than the main site. Like it definitely wasn't built by the same person.
1: Yeah, and do you think? What's your feeling with it? Do you think he's, this is maybe part of that process we're talking about splitting his personal brand away from SPI and then you'll kind of run the two things separately or? It's hard to tell, really. I mean, he's obviously yeah. he's had this domain for ages, so he's obviously. I mean, as we do, right? I mean, I've yep. had my name for ages, and something on it. Maybe I should do that and build that up separately. Uh, maybe that's his legacy. He's going to be able to do that. So yep. yeah, it's hard to it's hard to know, but it's definitely not the same. So I'm just I'm doing my AHRF's background stuff as we talk, and it's got 820 organic traffic, and it's all pretty much his name. So it can't be high on his priority list. No. It definitely started yeah. with Smart Passive Income
0: because I didn't even know this existed. I do notice different uh, social handles. So like on Pat Flynn, has TikTok, but does not have TikTok on SPI.
1: And yet still no LinkedIn. Oh, that really boggles my mind. Like I know what you're saying it's kind of like new people, entrepreneurs, but you know, I just find LinkedIn is just such a big space for entrepreneurs. They're hanging out, looking for connections.
0: I'm not a big fan of LinkedIn myself. It's uh, My opinion of it has really changed over the years. Interesting. What, know, why is that? It's super irritating for me because uh, LinkedIn is the, the home of uh, digital door-to-door sales. So you get them, I get them, we all get them. But you get those messages and you connect with somebody you don't know them. And the first message they send you, they try to hard pitch you something. <laughs> And I call it digital door-to-door sales. It doesn't yeah. work. So it's like, I don't I don't want to talk to you. No, I don't want to jump on a call with you. I'll send you a, a link where you can book an hour with me at my full consulting rate. And we can talk about whatever you want to. But that usually shuts them up pretty quick. <laughs> but I'm just not a big fan. I get very little through LinkedIn. So for my business, it's not a significant platform. And uh, it's like Facebook, really. I mean, it's a, really a pay-to-play space now. It doesn't have the reach it used to have. and It's just not that significant for me. So for me, I, I kind of get it, you know, I kind of get it. it. It all depends on your niche. It all depends on who you're trying to touch base with. So the further I kind of go down my path, the, the tighter the niche gets. And, you know, LinkedIn is, I, I think it's important to have some presence there because people check you out, but it's not a
1: crucial social platform for me either. Sure. So speaking of that, so what is your, I say, I say niche, but what, what's your, uh, what's the niche? What's the, what, who are the clients that you work with the most and the best? Yep. So it's not an industry specific thing. It's
0: really, um, so, you know, my, my dream client is an entrepreneur that's doing 250 K to 10 million a year in revenue. I'm looking for people who want help with their sales funnel. So if somebody comes to me and I, I'm platform specific, so that makes it really, really niche. So active campaign is what I use for the back end or the email side and click funnels is what I use for the front end. And I really don't stray from those platforms. Like if you want to work with me, we're working those platforms and we're not working together. And I use Zapier and some other things, but it's nice because I've gotten really, really good with the architecture, great on the front end, great on the back, and I can build anything. And that's where I started. And the more I did it, the more I really uh, understood marketing strategy. So I'm really, really strong in that niche and people come to me for those specific platforms. And it's a... It's a lot of fun. Now, what's interesting is for whatever reason here lately... I've stumbled into a few corporate clients that you know are maybe doing fifty million bucks a year, and it's different because the entrepreneur, you're generally talking to the decision maker, stuff moves quicker. Those corporate clients man, it slows down everything. There's more meetings, there's more
1: layers. It's just a different feel, but I definitely prefer the entrepreneur to work with for sure. Yeah, I can I can echo that. I um I think in my mind I made a decision. I only want to speak and work with company owners, make a decision. You know, I just, yep. I just don't think yep. – I think marketing can't be done in a bubble. Like, advertising can be done in a bubble. Where you're Like, oh, I'm going to buy some ads and, you know, drive some people. But marketing is all-encompassing. If you haven't got buy-in from the company owner, you're just not going to be able to deliver a good job. So, yeah, to- totally agree with that. Yep. But big range there, too, of, I guess, revenue. And you were saying, though, around the the sales side of it. So, most of your stuff is about – not about making your e-commerce sales. we're talking about generating leads and engagement and getting people further into into the business so you can have meaningful chats is that correct
0: yeah and and i talk a lot with people about customer journey it's amazing even businesses that are successful entrepreneurs have never thought about it it's like okay somebody finds your brand what happens next well uh, hopefully they buy something. So what if they don't? what happens after they get on your email list? And a lot of people like I, I don't know I've never thought about it. So we put together a simple a simple you know process okay this is how they get in your world and this is a sale but what happens beyond that first sale? Let's talk about the dream journey and the different paths they can take and then people understand that oh marketing should always be moving somebody forward wherever they are in the customer journey. And then I, I just make it really really simple. So I'm always trying to grow the list build engagement, and obviously increase more sales. And I do it in the language that the clients understand. If they use simple phrases, I use the same simple phrases. I make it very personal, but very
1: easy to understand as Fantastic. well. Fantastic. If, if that's uh, resonated with somebody and they want to sort of find you and your brand, I think I mentioned your brand, but it's intentionally inspirational.com Well, I've kind of given the first bit away. So that's, the, that's, where, <laughs> that's one place you can go to find you. Where else can um, people go and find out more about you and what you do, Jason?
0: Yeah, so that's a great spot. I also have a Facebook group called Funnel Building for Profit, and it's just a place where uh, I do a little bit of teaching and and just sharing ideas. Originally, I thought it would be for other funnel builders like me, but it's actually just um, a lot of times my dream clients end up there, and it's people learning, trying to learn more about it, how to do things better because you know a lot of people do very poorly with email marketing in general, and uh, they miss a lot of opportunities. So it's uh, it's another place they can check me out.
1: Fantastic. Well, Jason, thank you so much for your time today. I've enjoyed the discussion. I now have to yeah, go and uh, learn much more about Pat Flynn. I feel like there's this <laughs> there's this huge celebrity digital marketing guy. that has been around not not as probably long as me actually. I always like to pretend that I've been around forever and a day, but I'm always blown away how we can just find these new people. And you go, oh, this mega celebrity marketing guy. Never heard of him. And now I have. So I've got more content to read over the weekend. So I appreciate that. Yeah, no problem at all. Cheers. Thanks, Jason. Yep. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope we were able to provide you with some great marketing ideas that'll really help your business. As always, if you'd like to support me and the show, just jump onto iTunes or wherever you're listening to this podcast and rate and review those reviews really make a difference and help me reach a broader audience. If you'd like to connect, the best way to find me of course is on LinkedIn, following me on social media or just connecting. And if you've got ideas for future episodes or you're a marketer and you would like to appear in a future episode, just hit me up on LinkedIn as well. I'd be happy to have a chat. Thanks a lot. And I look forward to speaking with you next week.